Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm Evan Gottesman, Associate Director of Policy and Communications at Israel Policy Forum. Over the last weekend, we saw a severe confrontation between uh, Hamas and the Islamic Jihad in Gaza and Israel. Um, a massive exchange of rockets and an Israeli military response. And now there is a ceasefire in place. Um, we've seen this uh, sort of situation play out before, where you have these brief uh, but severe exchanges and then a tenuous uh, agreement between the parties. And uh, we want to understand uh, where we're going from here, why we keep on seeing this uh, situation recur. So to help break down the situation, we're joined by Israel Policy Forum's Israel Fellow, Nimrod Novik. Uh, Nimrod was a senior advisor on foreign policy to the late uh, Shimon Peres, and he's a senior associate at the Economic Cooperation Foundation and a member of the executive committee at Commanders for Israel Security. Nimrod, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So to take a, a broad scale view of the situation, um, when the fighting started over the weekend, uh, between Israel and the, the different Palestinian factions in Gaza. Uh, what were the Palestinians looking to get out of this? Specifically, uh, what, were, uh, what was Hamas looking uh, to gain from the situation, and what is uh, Islamic Jihad uh, looking to get out of this? The dynamics uh, inside both uh, terrorist groups, Hamas and uh, Islamic Jihad, uh, are undergoing important changes uh, over the last uh, couple of years uh, and with Islamic Jihad even more recently. Uh, there are leadership uh, competitions. Uh, there was new uh, election, new selection, election, appointment uh, of uh, leadership uh, in Islamic Jihad. Uh, and the uh, inside group uh, or someone the inside group, uh, inside meaning those in Gaza, um, do not accept uh, the authority of the leadership from the outside. Uh, and uh, one of the ways uh, for them to express their independence or defiance uh, is by launching fire without authorization. So one dynamic is internal in uh, Islamic Jihad. Uh, we have a sort of similar situation within Hamas. It is not that anybody dares challenge uh, the current leadership with a strong, more strong man, uh, Yahya Sanwar, and the um, and the leader, uh, Ismail Haniya, but as the two have been pursuing a certain strategy um, that was opposed to by two pockets of resistance. Uh, one are those who might lose power and salary and benefits if their strategy works. And the other is ideologues who are not willing to hear of a long-term uh, ceasefire, Hudna or Tahdiyah, uh, on, on the part of, of Hamas. Uh, whenever uh, the strategy of the two, and they are supported by, by quite a few, uh, when the, whenever their strategy uh, seemed to not deliver, uh, those who've been uh, waiting in the wings for their failure uh, come out and challenge them. Uh, and and, and uh, at times force them to take shelter in extremism. Specifically, the last round was a combination of the internal dynamics in jihad, uh, but also 
in uh, 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 Yahya Sinwar and others uh, having reached a conclusion that promises made to them on the eve of the Israeli elections in order to secure stability uh, for the duration of the elections, um, they have learned us very, very well. They've studied us thoroughly uh, and they know our weak points as well as our strength. Um, and they knew that uh, with the Memorial Day, Independence Day, and the Eurovision uh, Songs Festival, uh, Israel hosting it uh, for the second time ever, um, there is sensitivity to stability. Uh, and I think they were trying to extract what had been promised them uh, from the Israeli government. And what had Israel promised them? You're, you're talking about the transfer of some of the, the money from Qatar and, and um, some of the, the uh, easing of the situation around the border crossings. Is that correct? Yes, it is. But we're really talking, as a matter of fact, for, for the last two years. Uh, it, it gelled last October uh, into a very distinct two packages. Uh, short term, that is almost immediate. Not almost, immediate. Uh, and the longer term one, um, the uh, Hamas came up with a list of uh, demands uh, that, uh, of course, uh, border of fan- borders on, on fantasy. Uh, whenever um, the mediators beat the Egyptians, first and foremost, the Egyptian intelligence, supported by the UN local uh, uh, Middle East representative uh, Mladenov, uh, as well as the Qatari envoy. Um, whenever they sit down with Hamas leadership and ask, okay, what are your expectations? Uh, it starts with an airport and a seaport and a nuclear power plant. Uh, so everybody knows that this is uh, fantasy, uh, but then they come down to the real thing, and these are two packages. One is immediate relief uh, of uh, what they consider a siege, uh, and that includes the things that you mentioned, which is, uh, the range of a fishery zone, uh, which is very important for the local economy, uh, the Qatari money, uh, which they ask for uh, expansion, um, and new mechanisms have been designed with the UN to uh, finesse it uh, for Israeli consumption. So it's not money that uh, Qatar gives to Hamas, but rather that Qatar gives to the UN, and UN uses it for various programs that makes it Israel for Israel to uh, easier for Israel to, to digest. Uh, we're talking about reducing the list of forbidden items uh, to be to enter uh, Gaza through the uh, Kerem Shalom uh, crossing, uh, known as the list of uh, dual use materials. Uh, and Israel agreed to reduce that list by 30 percent, uh, which is very important for the local economy. Uh, job creation opportunities in Gaza. Uh, uh, more water and more electricity to Gaza, short-term measures which alleviate the, the pressure but don't solve the issue. And then come the long-term package, which deal primarily uh, with uh, um, employment, which means, which means major projects. Um, and those projects um, uh, prioritize uh, the, uh, the water situation, as you know, the water in situation situation in, in Gaza is is uh, uh, way beyond uh, catastrophic. We're talking about 98 percent of the water there are not uh, uh, suited for human consumption. Uh, we're talking about electricity. Uh, there was some uh, easing of that, 
and from three, four hours a day, they now have eight hours a day, uh, but they would like to have 24-7, of course. Uh, and there are certain projects in mind to do that, to do just that. And 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 up until up until now, uh, Israel has been willing or, or mostly willing to oblige, especially uh, with the more immediate term package. Um, especially for Netanyahu, it seemed convenient uh, to shore up Hamas and, and Gaza to make sure that uh, they're there, and the Palestinian authorities and the West Bank, and and that those two entities remain separate. Um, do you think that's uh, an accurate reading of the, the Israeli strategy overall? Um, or is there something else going on here? Well, um, the, 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 the last we heard, and, and we, we, we discussed this with the mediators on a, on a weekly basis, the last we heard before the outbreak of the, of the, current, of the, of the recent uh, round uh, was that they managed to bridge the, the two lists of Hamas demands and Israeli uh, willingness to, cons- to, to allow to, re- to, to, to bridge about 80% of it. Some work yet to be done, but about 80% could have been uh, uh, triggered right away. However, it is the Hamas claim, and the Egyptians concur, uh, that Israel did not live up to all of those commitments that Israel viewed it as more, less imminent, less immediate, uh, spread over weeks, uh, maybe a couple of months, whereas Hamas understood this to be immediate upon cessation of hostilities of the last, of the previous round in October. Um, and, and in Israel, we have two views. Uh, we have the IDF and the defense establishment at large uh, that has been advocating uh, that the government uh, uh, authorize uh, everything uh, that is on those lists. They believe they can handle security uh, concerns associated with it. Uh, but uh, the cabinet uh, did not approve many of the measures required, according to, to the IDF, in order to... Uh, stabilize the situation in Gaza and reduce the pressure. Now, we keep seeing this situation play out over and over again. There have been, uh, in the past several months, uh, a couple of instances where you see uh, a brief outbreak and then a return to a ceasefire. Uh, why, do you, why do you think that we keep going back to this, um, sort of seeing, seeing the same movie over and over again? I mean, th- this last, uh, most recent... Uh, series of, of rocket attacks um, and the, the exchange between Israel and the Palestinian factions uh, was particularly severe, uh, but it, it nevertheless mirrors something that we've seen over and over again recently. Yeah, uh, look, we, until very recently, and, and there have been, there, been a change in, in one of those factors, and, and I'll come back to this in a second. Um, there are three factors at play without which you're not going to have, we are not going to have uh, a stable uh, Gaza-Israel situation. Uh, one is uh, clarity on the ceasefire. There are so many misunderstandings, uh, given the fact that the ceasefire has never been drafted. Uh, it is verbal messages conveyed by the Egyptians primarily, uh, which leave a lot of room for misunderstanding. Uh, just to illustrate, uh, there is an agreement by both sides of a zone uh, of no man's land on the Gaza side of the Israeli border. 
However, Israel insists on it being 500 meters. The Palestinians insist on 100 meters, and that had never been resolved. Uh, so when people start marching in that direction, uh, Israelis get nervous. Uh, Hamas believes that they have not come closer than what agreed. When they did, there were times that they uh, urged them to, to violate even their own limited commitment. Uh, but that's only one. Uh, when you have a situation that uh, absent real-time communication mechanism via third-party supervisor of ceasefire, uh, things can get out of control very rapidly. And before you know it, you have casualties and you have escalation. The one thing that was missing was a ceasefire stabilization mechanism uh, that includes clear understanding between the parties. It will not be signed because Israel doesn't sign with Hamas and Hamas will not sign with Israel. Uh, but it can be very much more uh, clear and detailed than what we have had thus far. The second factor is we're not going to have stability in Gaza until the, the humanitarian situation is eased, until the issue, the issue of uh, better than more than 60 percent youth unemployment, something happens there. Uh, because when they are unemployed, uh, and I'm, I'm quoting people from Hamas and from Egypt, uh, when they are unemployed, their job is to cause trouble to Israel because they get paid for it. Uh, if they have other means of supporting their families, they will not risk their lives for that. Uh, so you need uh, major uh, Gaza reconstruction, and rehabilitation, and development uh, programs. But until recently, the donor uh, community, the country that financed this, refused uh, uh, to risk their, their, their hundreds of millions of dollars before uh, they know that the ceasefire is stable. But as I mentioned, the ceasefire has not been stabilized. Also, these countries were refused to uh, funnel funds, substantial funds to Gaza in defiance of the Palestinian Authority. They wanted the Palestinian Authority to run the show. But the Palestinian Authority now is in the mood of uh, uh, refusing to cooperate with anything that uh, seems to help uh, Hamas and any development in Gaza will. Right. They, they've, uh, they've imposed their own uh, series of sanctions uh, against uh, against Hamas and, and kind of trying to squeeze them in their own way with the, the whole issue of the salaries uh, being paid out to civil servants in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, I will be very blunt and I will say that uh, the Palestinian Authority in the person of uh, Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen, uh, is in the mood uh, to punish Israel for not delivering anything for them and to punish Hamas for challenging them. Uh, and if that triggers violence between Israel and Hamas, I don't think Ramallah will shed a tear. Uh, that's a very sad comment. It's a very uh, ugly situation, but it's a reality. And therefore, you have three factors. You have the fact that the PA refuses to cooperate, and as you said, uh, even imposes its own sanctions, which aggravates the situation. Ceasefire is not stabilized, uh, and we have no money uh, to, for, for Gaza development. The one change recently is that the donor community, including the UN, um, are in the mood, I wouldn't say to bypass the PA, but basically to tell the PA, look, we're going for it. We'd rather do it with you, but we will without you. So there is an element there that may hold some promise for for more sustained, uh, sustainable situation, uh, but not before the ceasefire is stabilized. 
and not before the short-term measures uh, that Israel committed to uh, are delivered, delivered upon. Now, you mentioned before that the defense establishment in Israel, the, the military and security apparatus, take a different view of the situation than uh, the government and the politicians. Is, what, what kind of uh, alternative are they looking for versus uh, what the government has pursued up to this point? The defense establishment is not suggesting an alternative strategy. They, they don't believe that it is their responsibility, uh, especially if the government does not invite one. And as long as the government... Uh, especially the prime minister, who is now also minister of defense, uh, uh, is in a view that uh, Israel's strategic interest is in keeping the separation between the West Bank and Gaza, uh, the defense establishment naturally will not challenge that. Uh, what they do suggest is within the strategy of separation, which they yield to, uh, there's a lot that can be done in order to alleviate the situation and reduce the pressure in Gaza. And that's the same menu of uh, measures that we mentioned earlier uh, that, that affect water, electricity, employment, export, export from Gaza th- uh, to Israel, through Israel to Europe and Jordan, uh, um, uh, access of individuals from Gaza to the international, to the outside world, um, more permits for Gaza businessmen uh, to come to Israel and do business in uh, and enhanced development in Gaza. Uh, these are all small steps that cumulatively can alleviate the situation, but only for the short term. I didn't mean to suggest that the, the military would, would step outside of the, the bounds of uh, civilian political control sure. to, to impose its own strategy. But right, that makes sense. And, and um, you know, there's a lot that can be said. And we've done a whole other uh, podcast episode on, on the different restrictions that are in place. And, and certainly some have to do with security, but some uh, of the ones that you mentioned uh, could be lifted or, or eased without a uh, severe detrimental impact on uh, the safety of Israelis or, uh, or of Palestinians. Um, let, let me complicate the story even further. Uh, on, some, on some issue, very specific issues, there are differences within the defense establishment. Uh, the most uh, uh, talked about uh, example is the issue of work permit uh, for Gazans to work uh, in the Israeli settlements in the Gaza surrounding. Um, Prior to the Hamas takeover of Gaza, uh, tens of thousands of uh, Hamas were uh, working in the kibbutzim and moshavim surrounding surrounding Gaza uh, with a very, very good relationship. Not a single terror incident, incident occurred. Wait, sorry, I'm sorry, you, you said tens of thousands of Hamas, or do you mean tens of thousands of Palestinians from Gaza? Are you... Palestinians from Gaza, I'm sorry. From, yeah, you're right. I wanted to clarify, because yeah. that, 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 be, that would be an interesting story in and of itself. Yes, yes. Um, and, and, and some of these people are still keeping in contact and calling each other whenever fire breaks to find out that they're okay and so on and so forth. The kibbutzim and moshavim have lobbied the government publicly uh, to allow that to happen. Uh, to start with a pilot of 5,000 that will be security vetted by the Israeli security service, by Shabbat, Shin Bet. Um, but the Shin Bet refuses. The IDF would support that. The others will support that. Uh, and, you know, it's up to the government to say, okay, we understand the considerations of the Shin Bet, but we have a broader view and what we think the benefits. Nothing can alleviate the situation in Gaza faster 
than work permits uh, in the in the neighboring neighboring Israeli uh, uh, settlements. Um, so here you have the division within the defense establishment on a specific. It would seem that the Shin Bet doesn't want to have the headache of uh, vetting all the people individually coming out of Gaza, um, whereas uh, it seems the army is taking the the broad scope view. Look, look, we have the Shin Bet. Shin Bet is vetting uh, something like 75,000 West Bankers uh, who work in Israel. Uh, 5,000 in Gaza will not be such a load. What they are concerned with is with the one who will violate the terms um, and, and will, uh, will uh, conduct a, a terror act uh, inside the the, uh, the uh, Jewish populations around Israeli populations around Gaza, right? But uh, uh, so it's, also, you know, it's a I mean, perspective. Also, it's a matter of perspective, right? And, and looking where at where is the greatest greater, greater risk. risk, right? And looking at this from the the Shin Bet's angle, I mean, I I, I understand that you have this large uh, group of Palestinian workers who come in uh, legally to work in Israel, uh, plus uh, 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 a significant number who come in unauthorized. Uh, but, you know, from their angle, from the Shin Bet's angle, uh, they're probably also seeing the West Bank, uh, where uh, Israel still has a on-the-ground presence versus Gaza, which is uh, completely governed by a, a hostile entity. Um, so even if the number is significantly lower, uh, from their angle, I, do you think the risk might be higher? Yeah, it's their job, and it is the job of the prime minister to take the broader view. And say the risk of another round of violence far exceeds the risk of one individual violating the term. Is that the lesson that you think can be drawn from the uh, past couple of years since uh, the last uh, major uh, war in Gaza in 2014? Um, are there other uh, takeaways uh, from the overall situation and the experience um, of the last couple of years since uh, that conflict? Look, if you if you take the broader view as you suggest, um, and you ask yourself what are the options um, that are available to Israel in in dealing with Gaza, so the first option is more of the same, which is the one that is being pursued: rounds of violence every so often, sometimes shorter, sometimes broader gaps between them. Um, an alternative one is a deal with Hamas, a broad deal with Hamas, uh, one that is, you know, was discussed in the past and can be discussed again, uh, and that is something like a 10-year, 5-year, 15-year deal uh, whereby um, uh, Israel opens up a lot more uh, of the siege uh, and Hamas undertakes to control all violent elements uh, in Gaza. Uh, and uh, the third one that has been mentioned uh, is to bring down Hamas' uh, control of Gaza, uh, which requires uh, a major military operation with, va- with, with a substantial number of casualties on both sides. Um, I'll start with the last one. Um, even the advocates uh, do not have an answer for the morning after. Uh, okay, so you went in there, you 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 went door to door, you cleared all Hamas uh, operatives, and you confiscated their weapons and whatever. 
Um, whom do you yield it to the morning after? Um, uh, the assumption, the conventional wisdom, and I think it is right, is that the Palestinian Authority, Abu Mazen, will not be able to ride into Gaza uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the back of, of the Israeli tanks. Um, it will be far too much, and the, the Palestinian Authority is, is discredited as it is, uh, and to become uh, the Israeli uh, um, uh, police in, in Gaza, uh, I, I believe, will be far too much. Um, reaching a deal with Hamas, um, a, a long-term one, would make sense within the prime minister's uh, basic strategy of separation. Uh, he wants to, in, in, to, to enshrine the separation between the two parts of the Palestinian uh, territory. Uh, and therefore, uh, that, that's a course of action, uh, of action that is open to him. Um, he knows all too well uh, that that might uh, weaken the Palestinian Authority uh, so much, strengthen Hamas so much, uh, embolden Hamas on the West Bank when it is so strong in Gaza, uh, that that might backfire. Uh, to his own uh, strategy uh, of keeping the PA running things in the West Bank and Hamas weakened Hamas running things on, uh, uh, in, in Gaza. So a, a major deal uh, will undermine that strategy. There is an, a, one strategy that Prime Minister has not um, has, has, has studied uh, because we presented it to him, uh, but has not embraced. And that's a very complicated uh, story. Uh, there are no simple uh, solutions to complicated issues. Uh, it's a very complicated story that, that comprises the three elements I mentioned at the outset, which is stabilizing the ceasefire substantially, uh, bringing the PA back to Gaza, and having the donor community uh, do uh, finance uh, Gaza reconstruction and rehabilitation when the PA runs the show. Uh, it's a very challenging um, uh, story. Uh, it requires a change in the Israeli uh, strategy. Uh, it requires Israel not just not to veto uh, this option, which the prime minister uh, yielded to the Egyptians. When the Egyptians came and suggested it, uh, he was willing to not veto it, but he did not uh, commit to uh, engage uh, full force in making it happen. And without Israel engaging and mobilizing the U.S., and in the wake of that, the donor community, it's not going to happen because the Palestinian Authority is reluctant to do it, and somebody has to deal with their legitimate concerns, and somebody has to force them to forego their non-legitimate uh, concerns. And the only ones who can do it is in concert. If Israel, the U.S., Egypt, Jordan, and the donor community from the West are in one mind, uh, this might happen. But until something gives or until something changes, it seems like uh, the, the government, at least under Netanyahu, seems content to hold on to the current strategy of separation. I know some of the, the changes and the alternatives that you mentioned uh, could be undertaken even in the context of uh, Netanyahu's uh, strategy of keeping the West Bank and Gaza separate, um, but this it seems to be the path that, that he wants to go down. 
I'm afraid that you're right. Uh, and I'm afraid that uh, preaching the alternative, which we do, um, and, and we get more sympathy to it in the defense establishment than anywhere else, um, preaching it to the political echelon uh, has not yielded result thus far, and I'm not sure it will. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think the more likely uh, situation is more of the same, which means that in a matter of short time, we're going to be in another round of violence, uh, which is likely to be uh, far more uh, brutal than even the last one. Uh, especially if Yvette Lieberman uh, comes back to the Ministry of Defense. Uh, if you recall, he left the ministry, he resigned in protest over the Gaza policy. Uh, he wanted a far more aggressive uh, IDF uh, policy there. Uh, and when the prime minister didn't go with it, uh, he resigned. I think he, has a, he had other considerations in mind. I'm not that naive. Uh, he thought it would pay play well for his politics, which he did not. Uh, but when he comes back to the ministry, I would be very surprised if uh, part of the terms will not be uh, that his strategy is embraced by the government, uh, which means, and, and we have a new chief of staff uh, who is less cautious about the use of force, uh, very thoughtful, um, very professional, very serious, he understands everything that I do and a lot, a lot, a lot more. Uh, nonetheless, uh, he is more of the view that we need to use our force in a more decisive way than his predecessor was willing to do. Um, and therefore, we will have a chief of staff and minister of defense uh, lobbying for a very aggressive move. Uh, and I think that the dynamics inside Gaza will also contribute to that uh, tragic uh, outcome uh, because uh, if Sinwar is unable and Hania are unable uh, to show that their approach of uh, restraint is working, uh, they will have to take shelter uh, in joining the extremists. So with all of that in mind, and, and I hate to uh, end this on such a sour note, but, uh, you know, it's the, the gravity of the topic that we're talking about. Um, what has to give, in your opinion, for, for something to change uh, from the Israeli strategic angle? Uh, because this, this last round over the weekend uh, was so severe uh, for the Israeli side uh, we saw nearly, not not quite, but nearly as many civilian fatalities in the span of 48 hours uh, as occurred in the whole uh, two-month war in 2014. Um, so, uh, you know, is there something that will push, that you think will push uh, the government in Israel over the edge? Um, or... Or are they willing to sit out through through a lot of this and, and just uh, ride the storm out? Um, uh, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, what we saw in the last round, uh, we did not see in, the, in previous ones um, in terms of casualties since 2014. Um, and we saw, and that was a result of Hamas demonstrating greater sophistication than they had been given credit 
uh, for in the in challenge in learning the uh, Iron Dome system and learning how to challenge it, uh, and they marginally uh, succeeded in challenging it. Um, and uh, I think that uh, our people are doing a lot of uh, uh, thinking and planning uh, on how to prevent that, not just from recurring, but uh, I think they now know what would have been the next step had there not been a ceasefire after 48 hours or whatever it was. Um, are we likely to see a change uh, in the Israeli strategy? You know, those of us who've been in the business of the peace process for the last 30 years or more uh, know that the chances of something good happening are very slim and the chances of something bad are quite substantial. Uh, this does not stop those who believe that there is an alternative uh, from uh, knocking on all door and coming through the window and under the door uh, in order to suggest and lobby and expand the circle of those who see the value of their alternative. So we at Commanders for Israel Security will keep preaching and lobbying for it, but, uh, but, um, but you summarized the sentiment uh, accurately when you said, not very promising. And uh, with, that, with that line, not very promising, but uh, as we always say, probably very accurate. Um, I think we're going to close this one off. So Nimrod, thank you for joining us um, on this episode of Israel Policy Pod. Thank you. Thank you, Evan, for having me here. Yeah, and, and, and I, f- I feel like I'm always saying this lately with, with all of our, our podcasts, but hopefully the next time we talk about this, uh, we'll have something better to, to say. Amen. Amen to that.